0: Hello, Belinda.
1: Hi, Omar.
0: What is this week's gratitude blooming theme?
1: Ah, it's card number 31, the gardenia representing gentleness.
0: Yay for gentleness. It's been a rough ride uh, in so many different ways this uh, past year. And so, uh, before we jump into the beautiful art from the amazing artist Arlene Kim Suda, Uh, and the wonderful conversations um, that we're going to have with uh, the amazing said Moses, author, entrepreneur, bartender, extraordinaire. Um, I wanted to give, um, I wanted to share this message that I received from Taj James, who was with us recently on uh, the podcast Abundance. And he received a message from a friend And it says, I wanted to thank you for sharing your story on the Gratitude Blooming podcast, which I listened to this morning. It made me realize even more how much you and I seem to have in common, something I felt since we first met. I've also really struggled with the false spirituality politics binary throughout my life, and I'm still trying to figure that one out. Thanks for articulating and sharing your moving thoughts on this. Hope you and your family are well. And that we cross paths again one of these days. And, you know, Taj, when he sent me the message, he's all gratitude ripples, ripples of gratitude. And it just, it is, and it is these ripples that really, I feel like help us keep, keep it on. Um, This work is a labor of love. And so just to really see those vibrations, those ripples um, spread out. Uh, are truly motivating. So keep those stories coming in as we share our stories.
1: I just love how the gardenia reminds me of my grandmother, just the sweet fragrance of that flower. And it's such an interesting contrast to the season of fall because fall is such a beautiful time in nature, yet it's also a season of hard work and effort. You know, looking at all the seeds that we've planted for the year and all the fertilizing and tending we've done and looking at you know what is the most fertile fruit to harvest this time of year and the harvest is a lot of physical work and labor and um i love how the gentleness flower and that energy of gentleness is just a reminder for us to be kind to ourselves and each other,
0: yeah, it reminds me of um, the podcast we just had with Dr. Paul Wong and him reminding us that our breath can follow the seasons you know, the inhale being the summer, that brief pause being the fall, and then the exhale being winter and sort of stillness, and then the sort of bottom of that pause being spring. And so, just that we've taken that sort of the inhale of summer. Just that just a little bit of bit of a bit of a pause. And I just that that importance of pausing is just such a great reminder, you know, and just to appreciate every moment for what it is, not because it's sort of a long inhale or a big exhale, but just even the sort of spaces in between. Maybe that's what gentleness is, is just gentleness is the reminder of the spaces in between.
1: And I love how the gardenia flower, the petals in this illustration, Arlene, it's like a spiraling of of the petals. So you can almost kind of see how that ripple effect of gratitude and gentleness isn't just an act of solitude or solo practice. It's really in relationship to ourselves and each other.
0: Just to lean into this breathing a little bit more, just as you're imagining, like inhaling You know, that gardenia, that sort of big breath in. It's actually only when you pause a little bit at the end of that breath that you actually get to like savor the sort of smell a little bit before you then exhale. And just I think, you know, particularly with flowers that have that fragrance, it's like they it's not like a taste that sometimes lingers. I feel like at least for me, like I take a smell in. And then I release it. It's like almost gone. And it's like, it's like you have to take another breath in to appreciate. Whereas I feel like taste, sometimes there's like a lingering effect that you can have. Whereas scent for me is very sort of ephemeral, very much in the moment.
1: And I know it's our tradition for me to read this prompt, but I would love, Arlene, for you to begin your storytelling of this take on gentleness and the gardenia flower by reading the prompt to all of us. It's so healing to hear your voice and, and the story of gentleness. Yeah, and with that, well, I have to say what um,
2: comes up for me before I go into the story for this week is um, I love, Omar, how you're connecting the gardenia to breathing, right? Like because of the scent, right? So it's almost like the scent of the gardenia is a reminder that in order to really enjoy that, the, the beauty that the scent has to share, we have to stop and breathe. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. So, um, you know, I think that we lose when we're just looking at art, right? Like we, cause I, I, I don't yet know how as an artist, I can make a painting smell like a gardenia.
0: (laughs) I love that as an art challenge though, for you, Arlene, (laughs) like uh, make one of your (laughs) next pieces evoke smell.
2: I know. I will, I love that challenge. I think that would be a really wonderful thing to do for, you know, a wonderful challenge for, you know, any artist out there.
0: <laughs> nice.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the prompt for the gardenia, which is um, um, built into the art this week. So maybe um, let me read the prompt and then I'll tell the story of the art. So uh, the prompt for number 31 in our card deck, the gardenia and the theme of gentleness. The prompt is, being kind to yourself and others can be a way to show gratitude. What would it look like to live with more gentleness? So this week, we are kicking off a new experiment in the art studio. In the last eight episodes, I created eight digital interpretations of our gratitude-blooming drawings, Including themes like trust and patience. And in the prior eight episodes, Anka covered the themes of infinite possibility all the way to our theme on sing. This week, we will be returning to the original drawings and will release new animated digital works with geometric shapes, colors, and words that really highlight the reminder or message. heard from each plant. So this week we start with the gardenia, which represents the theme of gentleness and the prompt that I just read. And it may seem like a paradox, but I think of the gentleness card as the kindness and power card. I often wonder what gets hindered in our world because of a lack of kindness. We often shut down a person's natural state of magic and power By being insensitive or mean in that fragile moment, they attempt to share their most vulnerable voice. I think there's a great wisdom and power in kindness that gets overlooked way too much in our world. When I think about where power in people individually and collectively comes from, I really believe the power starts with kindness. Kindness is accessible for each of us. And when given to others, it creates an opening for the potential we have to shine through.
0: Yes, to more shining through. I think that just that piercing kind of the veil. I'm I'm reading a book right now called The New Possible, Visions of Our World Beyond Crisis. And it's a series of essays, one of which is from uh, the meditation teacher, leader, Jack Kornfield, and he said that there's evidence now that there's measurable changes to our brain and nervous system that occur 10 times faster when heart practices like compassion and loving kindness are incorporated with mindful attention. And as you know, I've been on this like heartfulness is the new mindfulness like campaign campaign And so to see the evidence, like you can meditate and just be mindful and you know, like at the most simplest level, mindfulness is just the practice of noticing change. And for him to then sort of say, like, well, if you integrate compassion or loving kindness, then all of a sudden the benefits are ten times greater than just being present and noticing that change. And so just I mean, I, I always I go back and forth on sharing the science of this because I feel like sometimes there's just intrinsic value in doing it. But I also, you know, I know that people who are trying to sort of adopt these practices and sometimes it is helpful to sort of know like, okay, why should I incorporate gratitude into my practice? And because I feel like gratitude is a heart-based practice, right? And, and so when we can integrate gratitude, that loving kindness really is transformative. And then all of a sudden how you relate to the world is transformative.
1: I appreciate how we're giving gentleness and kindness a new edge. You know, I feel like in at least Western culture, it sometimes doesn't feel safe to show your underbelly, right, to be kind. And I love how we're restoring balance right now with relationships and with humanity in a bigger way by just calling out how much we need this to balance the things that feel hard and edgy and rough and tough about about living uh, right now, living through these times.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see this oftentimes where it's like, well, I want hard data, right? And not soft stories. Or anecdotes, but the, you know, we live in story and, you know, and, and when I went uh, to the Kennedy school, we, we would talk about hard power versus soft power. Hard power is like military soft power was like diplomacy. And, you know, that language of like, Oh, this is sort of somehow more powerful than the other. And it's just like, no, I think this is again, part of like how we change the vocabulary. Um, and sort of give ourselves different ways to like access, just really being present in this moment in all the different ways that are possible.
1: And I'm excited for this these next eight uh, works of art, Arlene, for you to bring in that sensory feeling of each plant and and their virtue, uh, the color, the movement the shape kind of elicits a feeling or even maybe a sensation closer to the sense of smell. <laughs> uh, maybe that's the closest we can get uh, through the art at this time uh, before they invent another gadget where we can transmit a smell through Zoom or <laughs> our podcast. Um, so Arlene, would love to like dig deeper into this other layer that you're adding to Gentleness and the gardenia flower. You know, what does it all mean? You know, it's interesting. I hadn't
2: really thought about it. It's like so much of the art, it comes like almost like unconsciously. But I mean, there is this like I I added a circle with the gardenia and this theme of gentleness. And the circle is really because I felt like it was soft. And if you think about a circle, it doesn't have edges, right? It is sort of soft but it's really strong, right? Like if you think about just the, like we use wheels, right? To like move heavy things, right? So it's this very stable, strong shape. And then when I look at um, the shape, I chose like a pink color. But I, I, I remember this actually, like I remember picking a pink that had a, well, it was like a, a light pink that had more like red in it, you know, so it was like a reddish orange pink and and it was um it felt a little more active you know like i felt like the the soft color had you know that that edge or this like active um element to it so it sort of felt and it does feel like what you were saying omar about this you know you can meditate and become present and you know mindful about something but without that added heartfulness and kindness you can't bring it into the world. You can't act on it in some way, whether it's, you know, inward to yourself and being kind to yourself or, you know, showing kindness and gentleness in all, you know, the actions that you have with the world.
0: So the other piece that I love, and there's two things I want to explore with you on this, Arlene. One is I just want to share my interpretation of your art. And I think part of this vocabulary that we keep talking about building is each of us being able to look at something and see very different things, right? And to sort of be open to that diversity of experiences and sort of not like, oh, you're the artist and therefore the expert and therefore this is the interpretation, but that we are each being, this is where I feel like your art is not just your art, but like there's a social practice that you've invited us all into, and that social practice is then how do we actually weave our respective narratives and stories, which is really how are we looking at the world, right? And what we see depends on where we stand. And so then by doing that, we're each being given an opportunity to see where each other stands, right? And, and I love that you're in some ways inviting us to stand in a circle, right? Like in a place that maybe doesn't have such hard edges. And when I look at the art, particularly now that you're playing with this animated GIF idea, Um, one is you see the flower and then all of a sudden the, the, the round circle comes in. So then it's, the flower is actually permeable, right? Because it's not sort of blocked out. You're not sort of only seeing part of the circle. You're seeing the full circle and you're seeing the full gardenia. And so that sort of invitation to really sort of allow permeability, um, allows, I think, for more openness and more exchange, which a hard edge, a hard barrier doesn't invite. The second thing that I love that you've done with the art this week, or just speaks to me, is that you changed, you you added five little words, which wouldn't seem like a lot, but you say a reminder from the gardenia before you introduce the prompt. And so now all of a sudden, I feel like you've created space for the Gardenia to talk to us, right? And and so I just, I love these subtle changes that you make and sometimes not so subtle, right? Like we recently had the animated GIF with this sort of Takashi Murakami sort of inspired, you know, poppy chamomile um, and the the dancing dots, uh, polka dots, which I love. And, And I guess this leads to the second part, which... I'd love for you to share a little bit about the meta experience um, that we've been going through in this second season, right? Where first season was all based on the art, the original art from your 100 Days of uh, of Blooming Love. Um, But this second season, you know, we're now entering the third sort of uh, part. Um, and so maybe just to sketch for folks, like what have been the three parts of the art that we've experimented with so far in the season?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I know that we've talked about the, this whole season being a little bit of an experiment in the art studio. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like the first eight were really Anka, you know, like, you know, another artist, you know, reinterpreting these original drawings. Right. And she just did such a beautiful job like we're I'm I'm really excited that we just sent some of her art out for um to print so maybe there'll be some prints available in our store if, um for those that uh liked liked uh Anka's art and then um the next eight were I I was able to go back to eight themes that you know were really pencil drawings and um I imagined them I was imagining them as watercolors you know I was trying to imagine what it would be like to be a a botanical artist. And then because it was in digital format, I could add like kind of a a lot of bright colors and things. So, um, and then now, you know, this third stage, I think, is really for the next eight are going to be, you know, we're going to test out this idea of just going back to what was the message that came from the plant and kind of go back to, back to the original drawing and see if we could, you know, elicit that out, or at least help communicate that um, in a in a in a power, in more uh, uh, powerful way.
1: What I'm really feeling from the evolution of the art, and you know, our collective journey from season one to season two is just how much gentleness is required and kindness to ourselves and each other is required when we are in this state of emergence. You know, not knowing very very clearly yet what where we're heading but feeling the conviction to take one step forward and it's exciting to showcase our guest said Moses who is going to give us so many beautiful examples of how he took the step to really listen to his heart to make a big change professionally uh, which led to the start of a company that now employs 400 people and counting uh, to really live with their hearts and to share their hearts. So Omar, I'd love for you to introduce how you met said, and um, for us to show a little bit of um, how we conduct these conversations. We've talked about the power of conversation. And uh, for this uh, week's episode, we'd love to share with our listeners how we get into the conversation with people.
0: Sid Moses and I worked together on the Los Angeles River. He was a board member uh, and we really had an opportunity to collaborate. And I remember one time we were having some conflict uh, with another nonprofit and he was like, hey, let's go have lunch together, all of us. He's like, I really believe in the power of hospitality to invite conversation, even sort of in the midst of tension. And so, you know, I just appreciated his instinct to like, how do we make things relational? Right. Like it's super easy to create conflict, right? Those hard edges that we talked about. And it's funny because he was formerly in finance, he was a quant that was very early on, had super fancy clients transacting probably hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but he he fell soulless. And so he had a a restaurant and bar um, that was sort of his passion project, Labor of Love. And he decided to just really dedicate himself to that. And that was 20 plus years ago. He now has over 25 plus bars and restaurants. And he just released a book called Pouring with Heart, The Essential Magic Behind the Bartenders We Love. And what I really appreciate is he has this opening quote. In the book, in the past, jobs were about muscles. Now they're about brains. But in the future, they'll be about the heart. By Dame Shafik, a a professor at the London School of Economics. And so, you know, we're going through this cultural shift, right? From having to sort of focus on labor with our hands to then sort of the tech age and sort of the mind But really, we're really trying to figure out how do we share this planet with each other, which is about the heart, right? And not only are we trying to share the planet with each other, we're trying to figure out how do we share the planet with the planet, right? And how do we sort of be in relationship to the planet? Like there are finite resources and how do we sort of be in relationship in a different way? And so, you know, he's trying to do that. Uh, in one particular place. Uh, and and it's been beautiful to sort of see him just build this business and community and team uh, through Pouring With Heart.
1: Yeah, it was such a joy to connect in the conversation with him just by even putting our hand to our hearts and really looking at this Gardenia together. And for him to share his personal story starting from that place of real connection with nature and uh, we're going to hear a clip of him sharing a bit more about that journey that he's been on uh, to really create that culture of love in the hospitality industry.
3: I love how these cards tie to nature for me because um, I, I, I bought a, a deck of these cards too. I love them. And I love how they tie to nature and the gentle and gentle and, to me, gentleness just reminds me of nature and, and uh, innate beauty and and, and letting go and, and being attuned to nature and attuned to each other and, uh, and we're more attuned to each other and, and we're more likely to be gentle and have gratitude as well.
0: I love that uh, juxtaposition of both letting go and somehow by letting go, we become more attuned to each other. And um, maybe just as uh, an opening frame, you let go of a very successful career um, in finance and like financial modeling, you were sort of early kind of, I guess, quant person. And you let go of that world to enter into hospitality 20 sort of years ago. What was that process of letting go? And then how did that letting go help you attune to really uh what you now call pouring with the heart, but I'm sure at the time
3: wasn't so clear? I just got to a point in my life where, I, where everyone was, was, I had the traditional measures of success, and my parents were proud of me, and um, but and I was getting accolades and money and so forth. But I, I found myself a little empty inside, and I also had uh, these new beautiful children, and I was missing something: connection with people, and connection with humanity in my life. I was a quant numbers guy, you know, very, very uh, quantitative, very analytical. And I feel like that kind of disconnected me from humanity and from people. And I, at the age of, of you know, 40 years old, I just decided this, it was time for a big shift in my life. And at the same time, I'd fallen in love with, 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 um, Hospitality and the people in hospitality—they're um, my people. I say that all the time. They're the people I can really relate to that are that they've made a profession of serving others and 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 being having the humility and the graciousness to to put themselves as secondary and look out for the person directly in front of them. And that's really how we define pouring with heart is. That ability to, to be completely of service to the person directly in front of you. Put yourself, put your baggage aside, um, and let go of that so that you can be completely present and completely of service to the person right in front of you. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And I feel like there's just so much currently there's, Everyone had, not everyone. You two are clearly not, but a lot of people are unfortunately so so self-absorbed and and so self-obsessed and and uh, and uh, as a society we have so much divisiveness currently, um, and we're missing that ability to let go and have each other's backs and be of service to each other. And so that's something I really found in these in the people. In, in the service business, in in hospitality, and specifically in, in bars, which I personally love, and uh, so I I found something missing in myself and these people, and decided to switch careers and and be create a connection where I really gave these people a chance to build careers, and they were giving so much to other people i wanted to give back to them and give them opportunities to grow and build a whole business out of it hmm.
1: i was really struck by this beginning part of the conversation when said talked about the spiritual void he was in in his life and i think when you're in that moment of suffering you know the first thing I think of is just how you might want to freeze and just keep going. You know, this is familiar to me. I'm making lots of money. I'm successful in what I'm doing. You know, even with this void, I can, you know, maybe I can ignore it and just keep on doing what I've been doing. And it takes real deep listening to your heart to feel the pain of being in the void, to step into the unknown. And, and even just the quality of his voice, there's a a, a real gentleness there. Like you can feel that he's really sincere about transmitting this idea of, of, of connection ultimately. And I was, I was really struck by how he said, it's about my children. You know, I want to be present for my children and I want to Do something that is an example for them in their lives.
0: It's definitely a a demonstration when you can bring both your passion for something with compassion, and that sort of idea of serving of others and putting them first. And you know, we shared that data point earlier where you know if you add gentleness or loving kindness to your mindfulness practice, the benefits are ten times sort of sort of faster or greater than just sort of being passionate alone, right? And and so and then to sort of really be like, okay, and then how do I build a business so that people can thrive in this? This isn't just sort of my own personal sort of benefit, but like how do we sort of show this sort of values oriented, right? I think so much sometimes finance is values blind and really What we're trying to say is no, values matter. And so, how do we create more value based uh, spaces and places and businesses?
1: And he really shifted my thinking on bars. And I remember a part of the conversation, we talked about how at some point in history, and I think he mentions this in his book bars were the center of community just as much as churches were, maybe even more important. And I think back to the times when I moved to a new place or was visiting a new place, I would oftentimes find the cafe or the bar where I could, you know, have a connection with someone. And in these times where we're lonelier than ever in this modern world, it feels like a, a beautiful opportunity to, to create healing, to create a sense of belonging in a bar you know we sometimes kind of go on the darker side of you know bars and and what happens there and i was it really shifted my mindset around wow there could be healing and support for mental health in these spaces that said creates out of love and how do you create a culture and not just within one bar one establishment but across so many that he's created uh to promote and spread this culture of kindness and love. I was struck by how he recently did that with his employees, talking to every single one of them. So we're going to hear a clip of him traveling to meet with the employees of this company to really cultivate that culture.
3: I'm trying to be better and more present and more... And a better listener for people, an active listener for people and the people I care about, including, which is my staff. Um, I went through this last year and met with every person on my, on my staff. Um, it's, it's a year and a half. So it's over 400 people to listen to them and be there and be present to them. Um, I can't ask them to do it for my guests if I can't do it for, for them personally. Um And some of them found that really profound. They'd never had a boss and somebody that just sat down and was there and, and listening to them and, and an active listener for them. Um So it, they were kind of surprised, <laughs> but it was uh, a cool experience and, and gave me a lot of insight into our people. But we really hire based on people that are kind and generous and, and, uh, that are, the, are there for other people. We don't hire based on experience. We hire, we hire based on, we can't teach people to be nice. We, we say, um, that has to be inherent within them, uh, taught by their parents or their practices that they've, um, you know, uh, that's, you know, meditation or whatever has helped them get to that point where they can relax and be gentle like this flower hmm. and be open and opening in their heart and have the ability to listen and open their heart to other people. We um, say we can teach anybody to bartend, but, but we can't teach people to, to do that.
1: Wow. Hiring for... Human kindness as an important virtue that people have in his companies is pretty radical, I would say.
0: When this, you know, in some ways ties to what I was talking about earlier, where there's like hard data versus soft data or hard skills versus soft skills. And, you know, I, I like how he's flipping it, which is look, I can teach you the technical skills of being a bartender, I can't teach you the human skills of being kind, but I can hire for that and I can create incentives for that. So that way that is encouraged. So it's, we're not encouraging the technical skills. We're, we're encouraging, um, people to say like, Hey, if you focus on kindness and gratitude or mindfulness, um, there's a place for you here. And, and Simon Sinek, you know, he talks about this. He says, there's not technical skills and soft skills. There's maybe technical skills and then there are human skills, right? Like this is just that very fundamental reminder that it's about how do we be human, right? In a loving, gentle way. Um, And so much of our current society is sort of focused on the technical skills and, you know, in some ways we haven't sort of evolved very much from the sort of industrial area of like, Hey, we're just widgets, you know? And, And so, you know, if we're moving from just that labor hands to brains to hearts, you know, this is that transition.
1: And really for leaders, this is our moment, right? To embody the culture that we want to create. And I was so struck last week, Omar, you sharing how you want to step into this new paradigm of leadership, you know, the, really, truly embracing the love of people and humanity equally. And for said to do this tour of listening to all his employees, it's one thing to spend the time, but it's another thing to be that present for someone and to really hear them. And it takes me back to when we were together for the Fall Equinox, how we were practicing this uh, deep listening, you know, not just to the words or the sounds, but also to the silence in between. And that level of presence, it takes a big heart to be able to listen in that way.
0: Well, and that was really the act of listening, right? And and Arlene has shared this as her practice was that spending a hundred days focusing on one plant each day allowed her to begin to just listen to what the plant had to say. And, and, and now she's made that even more literal with this new art, which is, you know, let's listen to what the gardenia has to say.
1: And one of the ways is how, you know, as leaders, in this new paradigm, it almost requires us to look at our roles in different ways. You know, Omar, you left the retreat for Fall Equinox really redefining your role in the world, you know, for how you want to show up. And I thought it was really provocative how said talks about his role as the chief visionary officer. You know, I've always had kind of a difficult relationship with this idea of a CEO, you know, like what does that even mean? You know, a chief executive officer, like what does one do in that role and what what in what ways does someone who holds the heart of an organization? Where is there room for them? And it's it's quite interesting how he has these two leadership roles in his company where he has the CEO person that focuses on the operations and maybe some of the more technical aspects of the business to make space for him to be the one that is the heart of the company and the vision of the company. And he even uses the word spiritual uh, vision in his role, which is is super inspiring to hear. So we're going to hear a clip of him just talking about how he even, established the company in this way and his role to really hold space.
3: I have a very brilliant business um, partner. That's a young person that started as a bar back with me, with us 14 years ago, Um, started, you know, started at, at, you know, what's traditionally considered the bottom of the organization and, and, has proven to be a brilliant leader and, and I moved him up to CEO of the company, um, last year. So Andrew Abramson, Abrahamson, I really feel like he's one of the best CEOs, um, I've ever come in contact with. It's just brilliant. And, uh, it was just a needing, um, somebody to really believe in them and give them the opportunity for growth and uh so we're we're alongside each other driving the success of the company both financially and and uh and spiritual spiritually too I feel our vision um um you know for the company is different than our mission. A mission is something that's much more he's he's busy Built, driving the mission of the company, which is to build um, two thousand thirty careers by two thousand thirty for our people um, which it's different for most companies most companies have more financial goals we, we believe in building careers is ultimately what we're about doing for each other and uh and uh so we're it's a bold mission that we're on to get to 2030 by 2030 we have about 450 people now so we need to grow almost five times our size in the next eight years but Andrew's going to drive that success but, but we feel like we couldn't do it without having a, a strong a strong goal of really um, of of, not, of something that would allow us to hold on to our culture, which we think our culture is remarkable in our company. We have um, over 90, you know, 90% um, retention of our staff. Even after COVID, we, we brought almost all our people back, which was pretty remarkable because we had to lay off people for a year due to COVID because we had to close our doors due to, for a whole year just for the company to survive. Um but uh we're very grateful, a lot of gratitude that our people wanted to come back and we're proud to come back. And uh and uh, we we want to hold on to this remarkable culture and and family that we have that we all they've been looking out for each other. In order to do that, we have to the CVO and the spiritual goals. Are all about being there for each other and being, and it's not worth growing unless we're taking care of each other and we have each other's back. So, um, our vision is really to, to change hospitality and take and bring back the noble, nobleness of serve, of what service really means by having each other's back. Um, and, uh, we feel like most, most restaurant chains or retail chains or service chains are missing that, that feeling that when you walk in, that you can tell that the staff is in love of where they work and love and, and really care about each other. And, uh, and we, that's something that's the most important element of, of our company and who we are and something we never want to lose track of.
0: I think SED's modeling in such an incredible way the, um, the phrase culture each strategy for breakfast, right? It's easy in, in business and life uh, to say like, I'm going to set out these goals and, you know, you focus on, you know, backwards planning, right? Okay. I'm going to achieve this goal. And then to do that, I need to do X, Y, Z, but you know, said being like no it's our culture that's going to actually enable us to achieve these goals not just because we know how to serve a drink or open a restaurant or find sort of uh the next hot sort of city um to go in Uh, it's really about who are these people that believe in being kind who want to serve others and then create uh environments um that then all of a sudden other people want to go to because they're like, hey, I'm, I am seen here. and um, And it's just that ability to appreciate a moment.
1: Yeah, he's not just scaling a business, but he's really spreading this new way of feeling. What does it feel like to feel like you belong the minute that you step into one of his establishments and It's about the quality of that connection that he wants to create, which I so appreciate. And it makes me think a lot of our work with leaders, you know, um, the episode with Effie Turnbull Sanders on reverence, how every week she has a practice with her team just to connect with the heart and allow for the unexpected synchronicities and serendipities to emerge. And I feel the same quality was said is just by holding space and listening to people, what can emerge from that connection? And ultimately, your presence is the greatest gift you can give to someone in terms of kindness. You know, it doesn't, it's free. You don't have to give a gift that you pay for or um. It can be that simple. That's what I'm really struck with is the simplicity of that kindness that he shares. So as we, you know, wind down this episode and really think about, you know, how do I embody that feeling of gentleness in my life? I just invite you to hold that reminder from Arlene's art. What would it look like or feel like to be gentle to yourself and to your relationships this week? Just really sit with that feeling. What is that feeling to be gentle to yourself? Maybe you can even put your hand to your heart as you feel that softness of gentleness with your hand lightly touching your heart. What does gentleness feel like? For me this week, it feels like going slower to counteract the faster pace that I feel around me right now for this fall season. It's taking time to be outside with myself, just really enjoying the shifts in nature during this time. What about for you? What does that feel like to be more gentle to yourself this week? How would you need to spend your time and energy and attention? Maybe take some time to write that down or... Put it on a sticky note to remind yourself so you can see it this week. Omar and Arlene, I'm curious for you, what would that feel like to be gentle to yourself this week?
0: I think for me, it's where can I be a wheel and not a block? (laughs) Where can I... (laughs) have that soft edge uh and not a hard one and maybe also to be gentle to myself when that hard edge comes up and being okay well there's the hard edge and what is it that i feel i'm blocking because maybe i feel like what is it that i'm trying to protect and uh to remind myself that you know um Whatever I'm trying to protect is probably going to be okay um, if I can act in that spirit of generosity and openness uh, with others.
1: Graceful warrior leader, you are.
2: And for me, I'll keep it simple. I'm just going to breathe in like I'm breathing the scent of the gardenia. I think that's so beautiful.
1: Thank you all so much for being with us on this journey. And for those of you that could use more visual reminders, we invite you to collect our new note cards, uh, starting with the Garden of Fearlessness. We've got 10 themes to really embody and practice fearlessness in our lives, for our relationships, and at work.
0: Cheers. is even more perfect for an episode about hospitality.